Uh, extra hour sleep, extra hour to preach this morning. Is that how that works? Y'all didn't sign up for that, did you? <laughs> it's all right. Uh, we'll get started this morning with a few announcements. Uh, first off, here's what we want to do this morning. I'm not sure if we have today any, but uh, next Saturday is Veterans Day. and We want to honor our veterans. We're grateful that we can, uh, we can serve the Lord today freely, as we can gather today freely. I was just talking earlier about some, some Chinese Christians facing jail and, and, and so much turmoil throughout the world, so, so little freedom. And uh, we sometimes forget, even though as difficult things are in our nation, our nation is free because people sign up on a dotted line and say that they'll serve. And so if you're a veteran today, would you stand? We'd love to just honor you and just uh, praise the Lord for you. We got a couple. Thank you guys so much. We are grateful for those who have, who have chosen to, to serve our country and we're grateful for the freedoms that we have today that we can uh, come into this Thanksgiving season. One thing we'd be grateful for is that we are still the freest country that there is and so we're so grateful. Uh, this morning, a few things. Uh, we got uh, evening service night, 6.30 and it's going to feel like it's 8.30 out there but come on out anyways. Uh, if you don't drive well at night, then stay home, all right? That's what online is for. Um, or find somebody to hitch a ride, call us, something like that if you got to. But uh, if you can make it, make it tonight here at 6.30, and we'll have a good time. Uh, then uh, Saturday, November the 18th, ladies' ministry shopping trip. I don't know if they're doing more ministry or shopping, but they're going out there, all right? So ladies getting together, they're going shopping. Uh, so if you want to shop till you drop uh, and the Pinnacle in Bristol, uh, leaving the church 7.30 that morning, sign-up sheet is on the back table. I'm sure at some point you'll get food and all that stuff. Uh, and then Tuesday, November 21st, will be our Thanksgiving midweek service. We won't have it that Wednesday because it's the night before Thanksgiving, and we know everybody's going to be cooking and prepping and all that stuff and uh, getting out your eating pants and all that stuff for the next day, getting ready to go. But uh, anyways, uh, Thanksgiving midweek service, what we'll do is we invite you, bring out friends and family, but we'll meet in here. Uh, we'll have a short devotion, but what we want to do that night is have a time of, of some very specific uh, uh, testimonies. And so if you've got a just something, something simple that the Lord's done for you, uh, and you just want to testify to the Lord, uh, this is an opportunity to do so. And it's such an encouragement the past few years to be able to get together, to hear the testimonies of what God has done and how God has answered prayer, and I promise you it'll encourage you and, and get you ready for, for Thanksgiving. Uh, men's prayer advance, a uh, deposit of $100 is due today. If you have not signed up, go ahead and do that today, all right? We would love for you to join us. We've got a few folks um, who have signed up. And uh, if you've never gone, we encourage you to go. If you haven't gone in a while, I encourage you to join us and we'll have a great time. And uh, if you decide to sign up later, just let me know. Uh, we can work some things out. If something happens, they do have other cutoff. The, the cost will just increase, which is why we're doing it now. And then as well, the same for the ladies, um, except their money's not due today. March 21st through March 23rd, the ladies' prayer advance cost will be $200. Deposit of 100 will be due December the 10th. So y'all got a little bit of time, ladies. Uh, but just go ahead and, and sign up. The sign-up sheet will be in the back. I saw that there's already a few ladies, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, anyways, this morning, what we want to do is we want to read some Scripture this morning. Psalm 119, verse 17 through 24 tells us this. Psalmist writes, Deal bountifully with me, thy, with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth, hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that uh, it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from, the, uh, from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. 
This morning, as we've been uh, going through uh, on Sunday mornings just to start and, and to read this scripture, we were reminded of a couple things. One, there's a, there's a phrase here in verse 18, which I think should be the prayer of all of our hearts this morning. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. This morning we're here to take this indescribable, infinite, matchless book, the Word of God, the inspired, sufficient, and fallible and errant Word of God, that we might see uh, what God has for us, what He has revealed Himself to be, who He has revealed Himself to be, and what He desires to do for us in our life. So maybe ask this morning that the Lord would open up our eyes, but as well, notice verse 24. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. The reason why we need the Lord to open up our eyes to His Word is so that we would understand that it is His Word that is our delight as believers, and as well, it is our counselor. There is nothing as helpful uh, to us as the Word of God that we not take it for granted today. I uh, had a thought this week, as someone had, had kind of said, is this, there's no Sunday like this Sunday. And that's because we don't have last Sunday, it's gone, and we don't have next Sunday, it's not here yet, and it might not get here. We've got today. So today, may we ask the Lord to open up our eyes, may we stand and worship and sing and praise and fellowship and respond to God's Word today, because this is what we've got. And this is a special day that the Lord would love to meet with us. So uh, with that, let's pray, and we'll stand to our feet and we'll uh, praise the Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We're grateful uh, that we can gather to do so today freely. We're grateful for the, the men and women who have served our country uh, that, that has kept us free. But Lord, ultimately, it is your hand that has given us such freedom. We're so grateful and thankful for that. Lord, may we never take it for granted. May we not take this morning for granted that we can gather here today to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray that this morning that uh, as we stand and as we sing that we would lift up our hearts and our voices to you to worship you and adore you for who you are and what you've done for us. We pray that today if there's one who does not know you as Lord and Savior today that you would bring them to repentance and faith. We pray for those who are struggling today that they would find their hope and their rest in you. We pray that today your word would go forth that it would be our delight, it would be our counsel. And Lord, that today we ask that you would open up our eyes uh, so that we might see Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you're able, please stand. We'll get the worship hour started by singing songs to glorify our Father in heaven. And our first one is Glorify Thy Name. Number nine in the hymnal tells us in John 12, 28, Father, glorify thy name. Them are the words of Jesus. Father, glorify thy name. And then the rest of the verse tells us, Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Amen. I like it. Glorify thy name. Father, we
Psalm 55, 18 tells us he hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. Hymn 705, it is well with my soul. When peace like a river. Oh 
Are You Washed in the Blood? Hymn number 330. Revelation 714 tells us, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. That be us, by the way. Amen. Or maybe we might go before the tribulation, some after, okay? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood and the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood and the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood and the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul. 
before being seated, please uh, have our welcome now. Shake hands, say hello, smile, walk around, move around. We'll give you time to do that and make everyone feel welcome. Okay, we have a special now by Tony and wife, Carissa. So y'all come on and sing as unto the Lord. It's on. Well, good morning. What's that one you want to do there? This morning I got the, my better half singing with me, so I ought to sound better. Now I've done I've done been blessed by the uh, singing this morning, ain't y'all? That it is well with my soul. That that makes me want to get my tambourine. I tell you what. <laughs> but if y'all know the words of this song, y'all uh, hop in there with us, and we'll sing together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
For my part in this I see Nothing but the blood of Jesus Well, for my cleansing this I plead Nothing but the blood of Jesus Oh, precious is the flow That makes me white as snow No other fount I know Nothing but the blood of Jesus Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus Glory, glory, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, this is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount i know nothing but the blood of jesus well oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We'll get right here in a minute. <laughs> Y'all, uh, please bow with you, uh, your heads and uh, pray with me, please. We appreciate it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for 
this uh, time we can come into your house today and uh, thank you Lord for the song sung Lord it's about your blood Lord you shed your body your blood on the cross of Calvary your pure perfect holy righteous sinless blood and we praise you for that what a great love and a sacrifice you made on the cross of Calvary for sinful mankind and Lord you deserve nothing but praise and we deserve nothing nothing but hell Lord and we thank you for your mercy and your grace and your love for us each and every day and Lord we thank you for the privilege and honor to be singing about your shed blood and Lord what you did on the cross of Calvary and what you do for us from that and we thank you so much we'll never be able to pay you lord for what you've done for us it's your mercy and grace and that alone and our faith in you we thank you thank you so much and never thank you enough lord we just ask lord you'd be with us and remain the service and may our songs and words please you and glorify you and lord help our pastor to preach the message that you've given for for us lord and we pray lord you just give him strength Lord, and wisdom, and uh, Lord, courage, and boldness, and uh, unction from on high, freshness, and help him to preach your word here today, and help us to listen, Lord, give us ears to listen, Lord, and help us to be attentive to the message you have for us, and Lord, for the commandments in your word, help us to be obedient, and we will praise you, and thank you for all you do for us always, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you're able, and we'll sing one more song here, and we'll turn it over to Pastor Joe. In Christ alone, John 14, 6, and I say this every time we sing, yes, nearly. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Then were the words of Jesus, and it's only in Christ and in Christ alone. Amen. alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fear Yeah. 
There we go. All right. Wonderful worship today. So grateful for the songs. Grateful to have Miss Chris up and sing with Tony. And uh, not that we get tired of hearing Tony, but we just get tired of hearing him by himself. <laughs> no, it's good to have her up. And, uh, anyways, grateful to see families serve the Lord. And uh, grateful that we can gather. Take your Bible tour with me to Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians 3. We look at verses 12 to 17. This is going to be sort of our theme over the next few weeks as we look at what it means to have an attitude of gratitude, developing and displaying thankfulness. Now, who all in here is thankful this morning? All right, who all in here is as thankful as you can be? Uh, maybe, I don't know. We'd like to think that we are. Uh, all right, let's do this. How many of us are humble this morning? Okay. No one was brave enough for that one. All right, well, that's good. That's good. That's a good start then. Here's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be focusing on verse number 12. And when we see what it means to be humbly grateful, we're going to see four different marks over the next few weeks in this passage of what it means to actually have a, a grateful attitude. Uh, now, we're approaching, uh, um, if you're like me, uh, you live with a crazy person that wants Christmas to start the 1st of November. Um, I love Christmas. Who loves Christmas? Right? Everybody loves Christmas. All right? Some more than others. That's okay. I love Christmas. But you know what I love before Christmas? Thanksgiving. You know why? Because it comes before Christmas. Now, does this not mean that I'm not going to have my Christmas lights up next week because I give in to my wife? No, I'm probably going to have them up. So when you drive me, you're going to go see Pastor Joe. He really does love Christmas. What's he talking about? That liar? No, it's just you do what you do to make your wife happy. And I, so we'll have those Christmas lights on. We'll... 
Been saving all year to pay the power bill for it, so we're ready to go the next two months. Anyways, but here's what we got to see. We need thankfulness, don't you agree? I've been going on Friday mornings with uh, some men in the back. We have breakfast in the morning, so any other men, you're welcome. Six o'clock in the mornings on Fridays, right? Nice and early, all right, so you can sleep in. And then uh, we've been going through 2 Timothy, and uh, there Paul talks about how in the perilous times, in the last days, perilous times will come, and he says, in describing some of it, he says that they're going to be unthankful. We're living in some unthankful days. And as we've talked with the men back there, and as we've shared back and forth, and we've talked about these things, this whole long list of sins that, he, that Paul talks about there in 2 Timothy 3, the sad reality is that so many of them are seen in the church today, and sadly, so much unthankfulness abounds in most Christians today, myself included. I can be very unthankful. We get irritated by people that are unthankful. Anybody ever held a door for somebody and they don't say thanks? Yeah, and then you've had your wife nudge you and say, quit, don't, because you go, you're welcome. <laughs> so y'all have done that too. I haven't done it to any of you guys yet, all right? So praise the Lord for that. But why do we do that? Why would I yell back, you're welcome? That's right. I took something that was supposed to be of humble service, holding the door, and I turned it into pride. See, here's what we've got to understand today. And this, this is not to beat us up. This is to show us the reality of how much we have to be grateful for and that we've got to work on this attitude of gratitude, don't we? Some folks are more grateful than others. Some folks are more joyful than others. Some folks are more melancholy than others. But I want you to know this. Whatever trait you've got, you've got to work hard and to develop the other ones that you don't got that aren't as natural to you. But here's something that is natural to us across the board. Being unthankful. We always want more. And we always want more for ourselves. We're never truly satisfied. Read with me here, verse 12 through 17. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the reading of your word. Thankful that we could worship you today. I pray that now that you would help us to continue to worship you as we hear your word, God. I pray that it would be you who preached to teach to your people. Lord, as we prayed earlier and as we read earlier, God, open up our eyes now. Lord, show us where we fail in our gratitude, but Lord, help us now to develop this attitude of gratitude that we would be grateful, not merely for the things that you give to us, but Lord, simply for who you are. Lord, give us eyes to see Christ. Give us eyes to see who we are in him. And Lord, that our lives may be lived uh, to develop and display this, this gratitude, Lord, that we would simply be thankful to you today for all things. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look here to deal with this passage, looking at an attitude of gratitude, developing and displaying thankfulness, we have to understand that gratitude begins and ends with grasping our position in Christ. If you don't know who Christ is, if you don't know who you are in Him and all that you have in Him, you're going to be very unthankful, dear believer. There's a lot of unthankful believers today, not because they have nothing to give thanks over, but rather it's because we have the wrong perspective. We think the things that we're supposed to be grateful for and thankful for are the 
the outward and the material things that we can thank God for. So we think that we've got less to thank God for if we have less, and we think we have more to thank God for if we have more. And what we find, though, is that whether we are abased or abounding, we must learn to be content therewith. And in being content with Christ and not our comforts, when we learn to find that Jesus himself is sufficient for every need and that he is greater than all things in our life and he is more important and more preeminent than all things in our life, that's where we begin to learn gratefulness. Here's what we want to see here in the book of Colossians. What Paul has been doing is he's been writing to show them who they are in Christ. And I believe that's the, that's the real Christian life, by the way. Figuring out who you are in Christ and what you have in Him. Not merely finding a list of morals. Not merely obeying a list of do's and don'ts and go here and don't go there and say this and don't say that. Avoid this. The Christian life is not merely avoidance. That is just moralism and even legalism to a degree. Now here's what we see. The book of Colossians tells us a whole lot of what we are. I'm going to go through this quickly, all right? Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us this. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We have been redeemed. Not only have been redeemed, but I right now am redeemed. We are redeemed. If you are in Christ, you are redeemed. Uh, chapter 1, verse 21 tells us this. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. I am reconciled to God in Christ. How about this? Uh, chapter 2, verse number 7. Uh, back up to verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. I am rooted and grounded. I am rooted and built up in Christ. Uh, he is everything, and therefore he has taught me, and, and therefore I can abound with thanksgiving. What do we find then? In verse number 10, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. I find my completion in Christ. I do not find me being complete. I do not find my whole being or my identity in anything else except for Christ. That must be the life of the Christian. The life of the Christian is not merely one of imitating Christ, but it is an identification with Christ. This is why the very first steps of a new believer is to be baptized. It is an identification with death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the gospel. This is why we have to understand that much of what we've done in Christianity and modern Christianity today is we've made things about imitating Jesus. I want you to go ahead and mark this down. You cannot imitate perfection. I can never be perfect. I, I can never uh, attain to perfection. But what I must find is that because Jesus was and is the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God who bled and died for my sins and bearing the price of my sins and rose again the third day according to the Scripture, He has given me life and now I find that I am solely identified in Him. That I have union with Him. And it is a wonderful mystery. One that will be worked out throughout all eternity as we see that we belong to Him and He to us. Then in verse number 12 uh, through 13, it says this, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened and made alive, regenerated together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. What do we find? Here we find that we are made alive. We are uh, forgiven. 
Then in verse 20, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though in the living word, are you subject to ordinances? We find that we are dead with Christ. And then in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, wherein Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. What do we find there? That we are dead, risen, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. That our whole being belongs to him and is found in him. And so as we sang this last song, In Christ Alone, it is not merely in Christ alone that you are saved. It is in Christ alone that you are sanctified and one day glorified. It is in Christ alone that we live the Christian life and that we come to a place where we can learn to be thankful. When I see who Christ is and who I am in Him and all that He has given me, not because I've earned it or deserved it, but because He has richly blessed me because of His grace and His mercy and His love towards me, simply because I trusted Him, that's it. I trusted His work and now His work is being worked in me. I have much to be thankful for. The practice of gratitude comes from being positioned in the grace of Christ We will only uh, progress in the practical things of the Christian life as we learn to practice our position. The understanding is this, because I am in Christ, I should develop and display humble gratitude. If there should be any mark of the Christian, it should be humility and it should be gratitude. And where you find real humility, you will find real gratitude. And where you find real gratitude, you will find real humility. Every one of us this morning could use some more gratitude and some more humility. None of us have arrived yet at the peak mark of being the most humble in the room. Well, we're striving to be the most humble in the pew, right? (laughs) Sit by yourself and you'll got it, right? (laughs) It won't take us long to mess that one up either. See, gratitude itself is the response of faith to the grace that is revealed in Christ. As I see God's grace in the Lord Jesus Christ being poured out to me because of His death, His burial, and His resurrection, because of the power of the Gospel that has saved me, past, present, and future, that now sanctifies me and holds me fast and, and, and has sealed me under the day of redemption, what do I find? I find this grace and now it is my power that given to me by His grace to be grateful to Him for who He is and for what He has done. As we look at the context of this whole passage, verses 12 to 17, what we find is it is this sort of whole idea throughout all four chapters of this letter, and it's one of the most in-depth books that there is. Uh, I know you're not supposed to have favorite parts of the Bible. This is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I believe it displays to us what the real Christian life looks like. Same with the book of Ephesians. The two go hand in hand. But here Paul is writing to the church and the pastor of Colossae to show their position in Christ in order that they might learn to practice the Christian life. And it takes some practice because we have not perfected it yet, have you? Any perfect Christians out there? It's an oxymoron. There is no such thing. And so what we find is that we are always uh, finding ourselves in need of a, a fresh reminder of who Jesus is, what He's done for me, and who I am in Him, and what I possess in Him. And then what happens? The natural response is humility and gratitude together. Colossians 12-17 to gives us the attitudes of gratitude. We'll see over the next few weeks. Uh, the attitude of humility, forgiveness, love, edification. All these things are to be done by Christ. 
It is Christ and His power and His grace that allows us to live the Christian life, to allow us to be grateful and, and to display that because our flesh will never be grateful to the Lord. Our flesh will never do anything for the Lord. Our flesh never does anything spiritual that is good or beneficial. No, gratitude is the attitude and action of those who have been changed by grace. It should be our mark. The attitude and action of gratitude begins with humility. John Flavel wrote, They that know God will be humble, and they that know themselves cannot be proud. The more I learn who I am, the more I realize how much pride I have in my life. Even this week, the Lord has had to show things to me and go, you're much more prideful than you realize. I think all of us get to these places where we begin to think that we've got the Christian life figured out and we've wrestled it to the ground and we go, all right, I've got this whole thing. And then it's like the Lord flips us upside down and go, you see, you really don't. And this is why when we start living the Christian life dependent upon our own strength, this is where we start getting frustrated, feeling discontent, feeling a whole multitude of issues that we have. And what we find, though, is when we are resting and content in the finished work of Jesus Christ and we live out of our position in Him, being found in Him, this is where the power comes. This is where gratitude comes. And here, essentially, the pastor of the church, if you will, Epiphras, which is seen over in chapter 1, verse number 7, and, and others, it seems as if the church is asking, Paul, will you teach us how to be Christians? We're nowhere saved, but teach us how to live the Christian life. Paul goes, well, let me show you this. It's not found in you, it's found in him. If your salvation was not found in you, then the rest of the Christian life is not found in you. It's found in Christ. Now, here out of this, we see that ultimately God is far from the proud, but He is near to the humble. And here in verse number 12, we see and focus in on today's attitude of gratitude, that of humility. We have to come, first of all, before we do anything else, to a decision. Notice this. In verse number 12, he says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Put on here. We'll get into that in just a moment. But we find that our new identity in Christ has given us a new position of being found in Him and has given us a multitude of rich possessions. Those who have nothing in the world but have Christ are the richest among men. Those who have all the world but have not Christ are the poorest of souls. What we find is that if we have Christ, we have everything. But the issue of our day is for us as believers is not that the if we have Christ part, it's the if we are living in Christ and abiding in Him and trusting in Him and being found in Him and living out of this position, resting and assured that we are His and that we belong to Him and that He is ours. What we find is that the more that we focus on Christ in our life, the more natural humility comes and the more gratitude naturally will be seen in our life. The more I turn my eyes off of myself and onto Christ, it is naturally going to humble us. You cannot help but look at the cross of Calvary and see its blood-stained banner and not be humbled. You cannot help but to see uh, the, the cross of Christ and that empty tomb and what He has accomplished for us now sitting there at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us and not bring us to a place of absolute gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Our position in Christ has now given us and given these Colossian believers the equipment and empowerment to live out the expectations of the Christian life. And the expectation of the Christian life is simple. Christians live as Christians because Christians are Christians. It is who they are. They belong to Christ. They are those who walk in humility. They are those who walk in gentleness and meekness. They are those who walk in gratitude. 
Now notice this. The decision begins before we get to verse number 12 with put on. Before you put on something, you've got to take off something else. Now here, this morning, back up in chapter number 3 with me for a moment. Look at verses 5 through 9. We read verses 1 through 4 showing us that we are dead, buried, and risen with Christ and that Christ is our life. Praise the Lord for such. Our life is found in Him. Your life is not your own. You were bought with a price and that all of the Christian life is wrapped up and found in the personal work of Jesus Christ, not your own or my own. Here then in verse number 5, these imperatives begin to come and to teach us these things in the Christian life. He says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. That's past tense. The Christian no longer lives in those. What do we live in? We live in Christ. We live in our new nature. We live in our new position with new possessions. We are in Christ. We no longer live in such. He says, but now ye also put off. Not only do we put to death there in verse 5 through 7, but now verses 8 through 9, what do we have? We've got to put off some things. The word put off and put on both are the idea of Putting off and on clothes. Everybody's clothed today. I don't see anybody naked out there. Praise the Lord. Nobody's naked up here. All right. We're doing good. Now, why do we put on clothes today? Well, because you know, you can't go around being naked. It's just not good. But what else? You had to make a decision to wear what you wore, or perhaps someone helped you get dressed. Either way, you put on clothes today. You had to make that decision. Now, everyone in this room could have decided to show up as you woke up. You could have decided to put off and leave off and show up. But we'd be in a mess if that happened. You made and I made a decision this morning to wear what we are wearing. This morning, dear Christian, if you are in Christ, you are in Christ if you are a Christian, by the way. Here's what we find. You now have a decision to make to either put off the old man and to put on the new or to put off the new man and put on the new. You've got a choice about what you wear, dear Christian. You've got a choice about how grateful you're going to be. You've got a choice about how joyful you're going to be. You've got a choice about how holy you're going to be. You've got a choice about how godly and how close to the Lord you're going to walk today. You've got a decision to make, and everyone uh, has to make this decision. I cannot make this decision for you. You cannot make it for me. You cannot make it for one another. You must make your choice today to put off and to put on. Come tomorrow morning, you're going to have to do the same thing. Matter of fact, before tomorrow morning, come this afternoon and evening, you're going to have to make that decision once more this evening to put off and to put on. And this choice, dear Christian, is yours. However, what we find is that the power to say uh, uh, yes to the Lord and by putting off the things that we need to put off and to put on the things we need to put on, it comes by the grace of God as we abide in Him. Now, in all of this, those who are saved must put off the old man of flesh as we live by faith, yield it to the word, work, and will of God in our life. You will be as grateful as you decide to be. We're all fine with phrases like you'll be as godly as you want to be or you'll be as close to God as you want to be. You will be as grateful as you want to be. So today, this morning, however grateful you are is however much you have decided to be grateful. Why? Because you choose your attitude and you choose your actions. What we find, though, is the way that our attitude begins is how our actions are going to end. The reason why we are slow to speak so much 
good and, and of the goodness of God and, and to praise Him and to thank Him even, and especially when things aren't going according to our plan, but they're going according to His the reason why we struggle so much with that is because we have not first developed that attitude of gratitude of where we are thankful and have learned to be content with Christ. If He is all we have, we must remember that He is all that we need. Christ, all in all for the believer. We must learn to take off the dirty clothes, not only because they are dirty, but those clothes that the old man wore, they no longer fit. They do not fit the Christian. Verses 5-9, through nine, they do not fit the Christian. Those fit unbelievers. Those are unbelievers' clothes. Those are the fashion of the day, of the world of darkness that we live in. What we find is that the, the Christian has a whole new wardrobe and a whole new meaning to life that we have been given to put on. But here's the thing. You've still got those old clothes hanging up, don't you? This week, I was having a conversation with somebody, and we were talking about weight loss. They've gone through weight loss. I've gone through weight loss and gain and loss and gain and gain and gain, and then a little bit of loss <laughs> and a whole lot of plateau in the middle, right? We talked about when you lose weight and you finally start, uh, you know, those, those pants are getting loose or the shirts are getting loose and all that stuff. And, and this person told me, and I wish I would have heeded that advice years ago, but I didn't. They, they said, when it stops fitting, get rid of it. I said, why? But then now I've come to find out the first time that I lost a whole bunch of weight, I kept the clothes. And you know what I did? I gained it all back and then some to where the ones that were loose were now tight again. And now here's what we find is that, dear Christian, the old clothes of the old man don't fit anymore. Why would we allow them to be in our closet taking up space? We shouldn't. As a matter of fact, the more clothes that we have in our closet that don't fit, the less room we have for gratitude for the things that we do have that now fit. Now look at this. We see now this putting on in verses 10 through 12. He says, you have put on a new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, to put on. To put on the new man who is under new management. With a new wardrobe, a new mentality, a new desire, a new focus, a new position of being found in Christ, of being in the light and the love of God, and no longer in the darkness that we once were. No longer dead, but now made alive in Christ. Notice a couple of words here. He says this as a corporate body. He says the elect of God. This is the church. These are those who are saved. These are those who are in Christ. That's who he's writing to. And then he describes them as being holy and beloved. This is their position. Our position in Christ is being holy and beloved. Is that we are now declared holy by God and beloved by God in Christ. We are not holy on our own. We are not beloved on our own. We are holy and beloved in Christ alone. And because of that, this is our new position. And we are now set apart which is the idea of holiness in the first place, set apart unto God, being beloved by God in Christ Jesus. Here's what we find. As we learn to put these things on, holy and beloved, he's going to get into and, and tell us what we need to put on in just a moment. But because we are holy and beloved, we ought to be grateful. Because Christ has given me His righteous clothes in exchange for my filthy rags of sin, I should be grateful. 
If all I have in my life today is the fact that I have been born again and that my uh, handwriting of ordinances that was against me has been blotted out and nailed to His cross as we've sung already this morning and as we, you can read there in Colossians chapter number 2, what do we find? Because of who Christ is and what He has done for me and because of who I now am in Him and because of all that I have in Him, I ought to be grateful. Now, every one of us this morning, all of us would say, well, I'm thankful to be saved, and we ought to be thankful to be saved. But we ought to be much more thankful for, for more than just salvation. The fact that we are saved means that God has a work for us to do now on this earth. It means that now He gives us the equipment and the empowerment by His grace to live out this life as salt and light for His name's sake, even to suffer for His name's sake, uh, to uh, be abased and abound for His name's sake, to be rich, to be poor, uh, to be loved, to be hated for His name's sake. Ultimately, what we find is that this will display itself through a development of humility, this idea of gratitude. The two must go together. We will only become grateful Christians as we learn to become humble Christians because ultimately, Christians used to be, in the, in the first century church, identified with humility. In the Greco-Roman world, there was no word for humility because it was so far from their existence. The Romans did not live to be humbled. They lived to be proud. They were a proud people. They were proud to be Roman. And this is why if you were born a free Roman citizen, it was a pride all the more. So much of these things where they were from, there was such a great deal of, of pride and, and all of these things. Uh, there was no humility or even a word for it seen in their culture. The Lord uses Paul, if you will, in many ways to sort of show us this word of humbleness of mind that's given there to describe what a Christian is. A Christian will most naturally be humble. Why? Because what did Christ do in His flesh? Every act of Christ on this earth was done out of absolute humility. Not only giving us an example, but showing us that He is humility personified. That the God of the heavens who was in need of nothing and created all things and held all things by the, His power and His might that He put on flesh and that He came not as a, a, a just some sort of grown man already and poof appeared, but rather He was born of a virgin. He came and He was dependent upon her. And He grew up and He yielded Himself to the will of His Father even to uh, the, the point of death, the death of the cross. Such humiliation, such humility. Now, as we see all of this, the decision time must come. We will either live by the flesh and, and the desires to put on the old man and satisfy temporal lust, or we will live by faith, which desires to put off the old, put on the new, and live by faith in order to practice our position of Christ. You will decide to be grateful or not. You will decide either to be more grateful or less grateful today, and you will decide today to either be more humble or less humble. And the dependence upon all those things is where you turn your eyes. If you turn your eyes inward, you will naturally grow more prideful. You will naturally grow more unthankful. But if our eyes of faith look upward and outward as they ought to to the Lord Jesus Christ, we will naturally grow more humble and grateful. And you will not have one without the other. So here he says, put on. This is a command. Will we heed? Now as we see the, the decision that must be made for each of us, now we get into the development of the attitude of this, uh, of being humbly grateful. He then gives this list of things. He's going to say bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, all of which can be summed up in that idea of humility. 
How many of y'all know somebody that's humble? Maybe not yourself, but you know somebody that you would say, they're a humble person, right? It's okay to say that when it's not okay to raise your hand and say you're humble, all right? Humble people don't do that in the first place, right? I guarantee you that person that you think of right now, everybody take a moment right now, I want you to think about somebody in your life that you go, I think they're a humble person. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to think now, if you were to ask that person if they were humble, what do you think they would tell you? Probably not. Matter of fact, the reason why you probably think that they're humble is because they don't think themselves to be humble. That is certainly a mark of true humility, is that one does not think much of himself, but rather makes much of Christ. How many of you guys love to hang around prideful people? Well, apparently you do. Right? We all do, don't we? Right? Now, here's the thing. None of us really like it. Prideful people get on our nerves. Humble people, they, they attract it. We go, I, I wish I could be like that. Or, wow, what a humble, sweet spirit. Uh, that, that is so good. They're so kind. They're so humble, so gentle. That's what we look for. And our decision-making and our attitudes and our actions must be developed. And they will always be developed either by one or two things, either by our flesh, by our own power, our own strength, our own striving, or by faith. That we will bring into appropriation who we are and what we are in Christ, that we will simply take Him at His Word, take Him at His promises, and that we will learn to abound in Him in great humility. Humility will only develop as we see our position and possessions in Christ. Only in abiding and abounding in our position of being in Christ can we live a life of humility and gratitude. When our eyes are on Christ, humility will naturally follow. What we find is that throughout all the New Testament alike, when mankind caught a glimpse of the glory of God, what did man naturally and firstly do? He fell to his face. When Moses saw uh, the, the glory of God pass by, what did he do? He immediately fell down, put his face in the dirt, and worshipped. What did Isaiah do when he caught the vision of the throne of God? He said, woe is me. Why? Because seeing the Lord for who He is and all that He is naturally causes our hearts to be drawn to humility. How could we not be humble in the face of such majesty? How could you not be humble in the face of the one who holds all things and you are dependent upon for every breath that you take? Now, as we see that developing gratitude begins with developing our attitude, everything matters based on your attitude. Matter of fact, I believe that the attitude matters more than the actions. You can do a lot of good things, but with a poor attitude, it's meaningless, it's worthless. You can give a cup of cold water, but if you do so with a motivation of wanting to show how godly and how spiritual you are, well, you've just messed up. You may as well dump the water in your own head. You and I can do so much action with the wrong motivation, and that is wood, hay, and stubble. It is doing good things in the flesh, which still is equivalent to nothingness and a waste. Here we find that as we yield to the Spirit as we live a life, as the Christian life is to be lived, as we live by faith, we find that we can develop this attitude. Notice, before you choose your actions, you choose your attitude about that action. Before you choose to do something, before you choose to be grateful, before you choose to express gratefulness, before you choose to do anything in this life, you've already chosen an attitude behind it. An attitude which has your motivation and the meaning behind all of why you do what you do. Where your attention is directed, there will your attitude be developed. Our attention must be on Christ. The more I see Christ, the more I focus upon who Jesus is and what He has done for me, how could we not naturally be humble and grateful? 
The more I focus on myself, the more disappointed I am. The more prideful I become, the more discontented I become. The more unthankful and ungrateful. Notice these things that he says that describe what humility and gratefulness looks like. First of all, he says, bowels of mercies. And this time, they believed, especially the Jewish culture, they believed that the bowels was sort of the seat of the emotions and one's will. Uh, you and I hear phrases today, follow your heart. How many of you ever heard that one before? Throw it away. Don't follow your heart. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it, right? Okay. Now, here, here's what they would say. They would say, trust your gut, right? You know, we say phrases like that too. Sometimes you ought to trust the gut, but here's what we must trust. We must trust the Lord above all things. We must not lean on our own understanding, but lean upon Him. Now, with all this, the bowels of mercy, the idea is that the very seat of emotions comes from there. It means to have a compassionate heart. Humility is compassionate where pride is covetous and condemning. Gratitude, grateful people, are compassionate people. You ever notice that people who have little compassion also have little to thank God for, even though it seems that they have the world? They've got the world at their fingertips. They've got possessions galore, and yet they are ungrateful and unthankful because they have no compassion. And yet those who have compassion have a great deal more. If we struggle with compassion, it means that we're struggling in a deeper root with pride and with being grateful. Every sin that we see that is outward always has a match or a root on the inward. The same with every Christian fruit and action on the outside always has an attitude and a motivation from the inward man of yielding to the Spirit of God. And as we see that we are uncompassionate because we are ungrateful, it is the attitude that leads them to the action. With this bowels of mercy, it means that we are to be a compassionate people and we'll never be compassionate until we are humbled. Most of us are uncompassionate because we haven't gone through what someone else is currently going through. We think, well, they've brought it upon themselves. Well, now, naturally, that phrase is one of the most prideful sayings that we as Christians often say. Here's what he goes on. He says, not only that we should be compassionate, how these bowels of mercies. Then he says, kindness. We say phrases like, kill him with kindness, right? Here's what we find, though, is that we desperately need kindness. We all desire kindness in our life, but we must as well express it, display it. But before we ever display any kind action or any kind word or any kind deed, it begins with an attitude of kindness. How do we develop such? By first of all, seeing how kind God has been to us. Unless I see how kind God has been to me and I'm humbled by it and grateful for it, I will never be able to be kind to another we teach our children at a young age to be kind to their, their friends and their neighbors and, and to not hit and to not lie and to, to not tattle and a multitude of other things that show kindness. But ultimately, kindness is only found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Is there anything more kind than God giving us His Son who bled and died for our sins? Is there anything more kind than offering us salvation and taking away our sins? That is true kindness. Here, kindness, it sort of is this. It is the action to the attitude of being compassionate it is the attitude of affection moved by compassion to action it's one thing to be compassionate on the inside you might see someone who's in need and go oh i feel so sorry that is compassion but ultimately uh, here kindness is going i am moved by that compassion to do something about it 
This is the attitude to the action. It is kindness. Humble people are kind people because they are grateful people. We find that grateful people are grateful simply because they have, ex- have experienced the kindness of God and they know that there is nothing greater. Furthermore, he then gets into this. Humbleness of mind. Notice there's no compassion and no kindness in pride. It's only found in humility. Humility is only found, first of all, having a humbleness of mind. We are reminded, of course, in Philippians chapter 2 about the humility that Jesus expressed in His life and His humiliation and that we are to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Uh, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also was uh, in Christ Jesus. This is the Christian life. Humbleness of mind gives us a couple of things in its understanding. It means one, a lowliness of mind. To not be high-minded. What will we call high-mindedness today? Pride. Right? Even I would say high-mindedness is beyond pride. It is as well stubbornness and hard-headedness. Furthermore, it is not just a lowliness of mind, but it is a, a, of a modest mind, of a modest attitude. It doesn't need all the bells and all the whistles. doesn't need to show off. doesn't need the, the flash and the, and, the, and the frills and all these, the, all these things. No. But the sense of the word as well gives us this understanding. It is a deep sense of one's own littleness. Now, I'm a fairly big guy. I'm not the biggest guy. I ain't as big as my daddy is. But if I... If I stand next to him, he makes me look smaller than I am. But if I stand next to somebody that's smaller than me, I make me look big and I make them look small. But if I stand next to an ant, I look huge. Rather, that ant looks really small, I'm not sure which. But if I stand next to the ocean, I feel pretty small. You ever stood on the beach, just looked out, nobody else is around, there's nothing else going on, you just realize that you're looking at a few square miles of what seems to be an infinite amount of water and that the Lord knows every drop and every molecule in it? Have you ever perhaps just looked up at the night sky and seen the stars and realized that you're staring at just a few clusters of stars out of the hundreds of billions times hundreds of billions of galaxies that are out there in the universe beyond just our solar system that is in one galaxy? And then you realize, wow, I'm, I'm pretty small. And we realize that it is God who holds every molecule in the universe in His hand, and there is nothing that escapes His knowledge. And now we realize God is big. And I am not. Perhaps one of the most simplest childlike truths of faith that we must learn once more, dear Christian, is that God is big and I am not. Thomas Watson wrote, the right manner of growth is to grow less in one's own eyes. Genuine humility, genuine gratitude, genuine humbleness of mind. It is impossible to be grateful while being filled with pride. We see such here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 5, it tells us this, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Ye, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Notice that idea, clothed. To put on this humility, you've got to make that decision. For God resisteth the proud, but He giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. 
casting your care upon him, for he careth for you. Praying and casting your care upon the Lord is of a humble and grateful nature. One cannot be proud and go to God in prayer. Certainly one cannot go to God in prayer through pride and expect an answer to that prayer. Here as we see not only a humbleness of mind, but then of meekness. As it has been said a million times over, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is being gentle and self-controlled. It is having your emotions, your thoughts under control. It is making sure that you don't fly off the handle, that you're not double-minded and unstable in all your ways. That is the old nature. That is the old man. That is the old clothes that no longer fits you, dear Christian. It is the idea here, the opposite of being pride is, is this. It is being coarse and undisciplined. And that's the opposite of being humble or grateful. When I'm proud, I'm not grateful. When I'm proud, I'm not humble. When I'm proud, I'm not meek. I'm not gentle. I'm not uncontrolled. As a matter of fact, I'm uncontrollable. Unbridled and seeking my own pleasure and seeking my own will. And then he says long-suffering. idea of patience and perseverance. All of these things from compassion, kindness, and humility, gentleness, and self-discipline of meekness, and, and this idea of patience and perseverance of long-suffering. All of this wrapped up in this idea of being humble. Long-suffering is the attitude and action of being patient, persevering. The more humbly grateful I become, the more patient I become. And all of us this morning, none of us would probably say, uh, none of us are willing to say, I'm very humble this morning. I I bet even fewer of us would be willing to say, I'm very patient this morning. The reason why we are impatient is because we are ungrateful and proud. And so many times we are proud to be that way. We should not be proud to be hard-headed and stubborn. It should cause us to humility and grateful that God hasn't squished us that He cares for us and that He desires us and that He wants to help us through our infirmities. These things, this idea of humility and gratitude going hand in hand that it must be developed long before it is ever displayed. Long before we display any of these actions that the Christian should have on the outside, we must develop this attitude on the inside. Now this display of all these things, as we develop a humble and grateful attitude, then we would display a life of humility and gratefulness before God and man. You can fake a lot. And sadly, we fake a lot as Christians. But there's a difference between real humility and a fake humility. And it can be smelled from about a mile away. Why? Because as we see it and we smell it, we look to Christ and He is the test of real humility or false humility, of pride and arrogance or humility and gratitude. We will only display what we have decided to develop, by the way. As a matter of fact, the things in your life right now that are most displayed, it's because you have decided to develop those things. They talk about habits needing only about 28, day, 28 30 days or whatever to, to be developed, to be a pattern of life. You can train yourself to do a lot. You can train yourself to get up without an alarm. You can train yourself to go on walks. You can train yourself uh, to, to build muscles. You can train yourself to do a lot of things. Dear Christian, we need to train ourselves in the understanding of humility and gratitude. You say, well, I struggle with pride. Develop humility. You're going to have to work at it every single day until we put off this flesh. You say, you know, my pride has kept me from being grateful as I ought to. Well, guess what? 
that too can be dealt with, but it must be dealt with daily and moment by moment as we look to Christ and not to ourselves. We find that the more humility that we have in our life, the more grateful we would naturally become to God and to man. And the more grateful we become, the more humble we become because we are hum- humbled by all that God is and all that God has done for us. Humility and gratitude will never be displayed by my hands unless I develop them as an attitude in my heart. I wonder today, each one of us, none of us would want to say, well, outwardly my life is some, some sort of egregious, prideful sin, or perhaps we're not uh, going and saying, well, I've just been incredibly ungrateful lately and my life is showing it. These are sins and these are difficulties that none of us want to or care to admit. These are inward things first, long before they're ever outward, and we find that we must deal with the inward before we deal with the outward, because if you deal with the inward, the outward will take care of itself. You must deal with your thoughts. You must deal with your emotions. You must deal with your heart and your belief about who you are and who Christ is. Let me ask you today, are you more known for grumbling than you are gratitude? Everyone in this room knows somebody that grumbles about everything. They complain about everything. They could get the whole world laid at their feet with a silver platter, and they would wish the platter was gold. So many times God has given us so much and we go, yeah, but so-and-so's got more than I got. How come I can't get what they got? Instead of realizing that God has given us much more in Christ than we have ever could hope for, let alone could ever deserve. Gratitude begins with an attitude. Begins with a choice. Is your life developing and displaying humility and gratitude? We would all love to think so. It'll be seen as we go through the rest of these marks of the next few weeks and we'll see how truly grateful we are if that attitude is genuinely there. Do you find contentment in Christ or do you seek them in the comforts of the world? Humble and grateful Christians find their contentment in Christ alone. Not only in Christ alone is my hope found for my salvation, but it is my very being and life. Have you become unsatisfied or ungrateful lately? There's an easy way to tell. Do you feel like God has been nicer to others than you and you're missing out? Do you feel that you are the one that's getting the short end of the stick all the time and that God has to somehow do better for you? Or Let's boil it down to this way. Here's the easy way to tell if we've been ungrateful or have been battling pride. If we begin to think that God owes us something that we don't have right now in our possession. The reason why we would think such is because we have yet to look at all the possessions that we have in Christ today. Pride is always knocking at our door, but there is always an opportunity for us to develop this attitude of gratitude. We need to put on humility. We need to put on thankfulness. And the two get put on together. It's the same shirt, just a different size. Where there's humility, there will be gratitude. We need to learn to develop and display these things by living a humble life in Christ. Today, as we bring this to a close in time of invitation, first and foremost, if you need to trust Christ, you've battled pride, you've battled your sin, you realize that you've come to the end of your rope and you just can't battle it anymore on your own and you have no way of saving yourself, come and take the Bible and show you Jesus Christ. He bled, He died, 
for you. He rose again for you so that you might have eternal life and abounding life. A life of abundance, not in this world, but in the spiritual things, both now and to come. Would you put your trust in Jesus alone? Repent and believe the gospel. Well, today, dear believer, as we come to this time of invitation, this is a time for you as well to do one of two things. Either one, to get an attitude right in your life, or two, to thank God for what He's done in your life. And if you've got the right attitude, that's good. Now let's have the right action of simply bowing before the Lord in humility and gratitude. Would you stand with me this morning? As the piano plays, this altar's open. Would you come today if you have a need? Perhaps you just need to come and thank the Lord. You haven't thanked Him in a while. You've got some things to praise Him for.